Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to 20th Century Geek. I'm your regular host, Road Rage Scott Weatherly. And today I'm joined by tearing up the tarmac, Tony Farina. Tony, how Hello. are you doing? You okay? I'm all right. I was my story. So I can't even do whatever voice Stallone is doing in this movie. <laughs> a young Sylvester Stallone. We got to talk. Yeah, we're going to be young and angry young. Sylvester Stallone. I'm so excited about this. And this is a new beginning of a new, um, a new thing we're doing. Yes, yes. 20th Century Geek's back. We've had a quite a long hiatus. We've been doing some pieces. Um, go over and check the sister podcast, Stories Out of Time and Space. Because that, doing... that never stops. Those yes. guys, you and Julian, never sleep. There's two of you, each four. There's four. You guys have figured out the way through the Mirror Universe, as we were just talking about a little trek. Yeah. You're doing little, little Mirror Universe versions of, of Stories Out of Time and Space, which would be great. I would love in the Mirror Universe of Stories Out of Time and Space what that show's like. I'd be interested. Yeah. In that in another universe, like you say, Julie and I probably sort of disagree even more. But um <laughs> but yes, no, today we are starting a new little project. Um yes. that is spawning out of a conversation that sort of that we had about films that are made that are based on stories, short stories mainly, that you don't really know about. People don't identify or don't recognize or don't even know that they are based on a story. And we're starting uh with a film that many people have probably forgotten about as well. Well, it's a goodie. Been made multiple times. We're going to be talking about Death Race 2000, uh, Death Race with Jason Statham, and then the original story uh, called The Racer. By yeah. and I'm going, to, I'm, but I'm going to ask you to pronounce the name. Sure, uh, uh, Melkor is Ed how Melkor. I say it. Yeah, Ed okay, Melkor. that's that, yeah. that's good. That is how I was yeah. pronouncing it. Yeah. Um. And yeah. So that's what we need. We're going to be talking about today. This is a dystopian future story in which racing is used as a form of entertain distraction entertainment and uh what i calling the nation in america yes um, it is it is a form of population control mm. and um there was also um yeah in this was when it was originally written in what 1958 yes and so it's an interesting time. And then the movie's made in the 70s, and then the other movie's made in, what, 2008. So we've got these Doesn't, interesting yeah. um, ways to re, to kind of redo the story. But yeah, um, yeah. so in, uh, in 1958, and this guy, Ed Melcher, he's not even American. So I think it's an interesting oh. look well, at American racing culture racing yeah. culture as it well, were if, yeah if you say i had a look at his his oeuvre his other things he's done there's a lot of like war stories in there a lot of world war Two kind of stuff so this is a bit of a an outlier um and weirdly hard to get hold of like you know you've got it in this book that we we've found yeah. real yeah it's called um, real future real with two e's yes yeah uh short story collection but yeah if you just google the racer it's it's not the easiest story to find uh nope, so, but i so, did i did stumble across um, a dramatic reading dramatic reading like mm. old-timey radio reading it has extra voices i don't know if you had a chance to listen to it but i sent it along i did so it's, get a chance, it's, yeah. it's cool there's actually got voices and everything so it's like a 28 minute i don't know how because in theory the copyright shouldn't be up yet because it was published in <laughs> day, but somehow it's on youtube uh, hardly anyone has listened to it, so maybe those numbers will skyrocket, and this, and then it'll get taken down because somebody will be like, "Hey, why is there a yeah, someone will audio book on there?" But it's it's um yeah it's it was hard to find, and it was only 
I, I, I backed into it. I didn't really realize this was based on a short story either because I love the original Death, mm. the Death Race 2000 film. And um, so it was in rewatching it for Jack and I to do Death Race on Back to the Filmography. I was like, but that's a fucking short story. So, you know, Internet is my friend and I found it on the archive, Internet Archive, which is a free library. That's where so I read it. Yeah. yeah, and anybody can get a free card there too. So like it's free, you can go in and it's like literally a PDF of this book. And I did yes. go and then I found the book for three bucks and I got it and it's massive. It's a like 600 page hard yeah. cover. Um, so, but it's like Bradbury, Lovecraft, Clark, Dick, Zeleny, Wells. I mean, this is like fucking murderer's row of amazing well, science fiction writers. Yeah. But also let's like say the book was released in 92. So it's not even like it's old. There's some old stories in there. But they're not that old films as well. Like I said, it's got covers right. of Death Race 2000, but you've got like The Fly. Um, both versions. Of the Fly. Both versions, yeah. yeah. They Live, Total Recall, uh, Enemy Mine. You know, um, it goes back a little bit more. But, uh, you know, there's some reanimator as well. So well, I figured covers... you'd love that. You'd oh, love yeah. I've, I've, read, I've read that story <laughs> a couple, just a couple of times. So yeah, it's a fantastic book. But really, what I was, I was fascinated by is this one, the racer. So I do want to give a shout out to Jack and back to the filmography, doing a fantastic job of going through uh, Jason Statham's filmography at the moment. Um, and obviously, yeah, they, they, you know, you spoke to him about Death Race, which came out in two thousand eight. Now we will get yeah. to that, but we are yeah. going to rewind and we're going to go to uh, nine fifty eight, and we'll start talking about this story. So the story starts in uh, New York and a racetrack and we have basically just it's basically got a cast of two really mm -hmm. really um, yeah there's, there's willie and hank um yeah, his, his uh navigator and yeah and a mechanic yeah. uh and basically they are a race team on this race from new york to los angeles and it's a basically it's a time and scored race and you've got to get as fast as you can but you score by maiming and killing people along the way and he drives a car called The Bull. It's got big horns on it and big red lights and all sort of stuff. Uh, and along the way, that's what he's aiming to do. He's, he keeps having this idea of, like, it's not just about time, it's about score. You've got to have this nice balance between the two. Um, and after an incident in which he waits for people to come out of a cinema, uh, he plows into the uh, people leaving the cinema, killing, I think, killing, like, five and maiming eight. He sort of goes through. Uh, but wanting to revel in this big score he gets out the car and takes a look and in one of like a scene that was kind of like shocking to me in reading this i was sat i was sat out nice day i was just on the afternoon reading you know oh this is a good sunday afternoon book. oh like, sunday oh, afternoon read seriously read to me daddy she comes yeah. up to you and yeah oh, you're only 10 maybe not maybe this, not yeah, this is not an entry <laughs> this is not an entry level story <laughs> the cloud, the crowd parts, and a young girl uh, steps through, carrying the body of a child, and calls Willie a butcher. Um, he then leaves, carries on the race, but this thought of being considered a butcher rather than a racer sticks with him, and he starts to avoid um, uh, killing people. Uh, he's then called out by his, his uh, partner, mechanic, and uh, navigator. And eventually, in a final attempt, um, there's a basically a confrontation between the two. The car crashes, and Willie wakes up in a bed. And we'll talk about the ending. And the <laughs> yeah, and the girl, the girl is there, and she says to him, you know, he says, "I'm not a butcher," and she says, "Nor a racer." 
You are a racer. And that's the end. Dun, 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 dun. That is the end. Muriel is her name. Muriel, um, thank you. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That is it. That's excellent. Well done. Yeah. You, you nailed it. Um, I have thoughts. I've read it since I first found this and sent it to you and sent it mm. to Jack. I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe this exists. And here it is, you guys, we need to read it. And then you and I went back and forth. Like, let's do this project. Let's go through this list of short stories. Because you've done, you do the short stories on the show. Yes. Yeah, and I yeah, think yeah. this is an excellent, because it is, I think, adapting a short story into a film is way different. It's a different exercise than adapting a, a novel into a film. Because with a novel into a film, you always are cutting. Unless yes. you're Zack Snyder, then you don't cut a damn thing. But if you're anybody else, you try to cut things. And if it's a short story, you have to embellish. And of course, mm. that is obviously what happens in both versions of this. Um, and then all the multiple remakes and all the other universes that the Death Race exists. And there's other movies called Death Race. And it's just this idea. So it's pretty heavy. And I kind of love that ending. I mean, like I've read it a bunch of times. And I love that that is how, like that she went, the anti-racing league, whatever yes. they are, which is in the movie too. They win. They take the yeah. most famous racer and they break him. Well, um, well, well it's, 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 this, it's this question, though, because I like the fact you say, like, the most famous racer. Is he? Because I think one of the nice points I like mm. this, it's all from his point of view. That is a good point. He <laughs> considers true. him. He considers himself the greatest racer. Like, he's won the previous, I think like he's won previous three or something like that. So he's, he considers himself, like, the greatest racer. And he has this sort of philosophy of carnage versus time but even hank's like his engineers a bit like you know all right put your ego back in the box please Let's... right i just want the bonus yeah exactly yeah yeah, yeah. he's like because they get a hundred this is 1958 so the winner gets a hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars and then if you break a record you get a ten thousand dollar bonus and hank it's 25 percent. so he's already in his mind because they've won years years ago yeah he's already spending his twenty five thousand dollars and you're like well Hold the phone, Hank. Yeah. Um, I assume Hank doesn't live. We don't know. That's the thing, do we? We, like, we don't a, know. There's yeah. a there's a crash at the end. Would so, but let's go through this thing. I like. Yeah. I, lo- I love the the introduction because there's this thing about the racetrack and and sort of you know the descriptions of the cars and it in the films. Obviously, we'll get into. It, there's a lot less, but there's like loads in this race, and they're released at 15 minute intervals and stuff. Um. But he's got these sort of traditions. I love that he goes around and kicks the tires, but it's like they're synthy rubber. Doesn't need to, because the. But he's like it's a tradition. That's what we do. Right. That's, what That's what we do. do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so it ties back to all these sort of old racing um, ideas, very macho ideas. Well, this is the thing. So I've got well two things I for sure want to bring up. One is Hemingway. Mm. So I'll just go there. Mm. He goes to Michigan. So he takes a turn to Michigan. So Toledo, so I'm from Michigan. So he, so Toledo, Ohio is right below Michigan. And then they take a turn and they go up to Grand Rapids. And, um, which is a town, which is where one of our kids lives just outside of Grand Rapids. And um, so that's just, that's like, of course we were just there not that long ago, but then he literally, literally drives by Calvin College, which is like, did you see First Reformed, Paul Schaefer's First Reformed? No. Okay, you should see it. Ethan Hawke's finest performance. I mean, he's epic. Anyway, Paul Schaefer, but Paul Schaefer is a first reformed uh, uh, Christian, which is this really super kind of zealotry, like the kids who went to Calvin College, which is where they drive by, literally like the daughters can't have their own dads in their room. Like oh, no right. men on oh, the women's wow. floor, like that kind of crazy shit. Mm. Like I move in day and move out day as long as the doors are open. But after that, if your dad comes to visit, 
you got to meet them in that. And this is like, this is like now when I was in college, that's how it was. So like, wow, it's very specific that he goes to this part of Michigan to have this, to go into this really like Dutch and white, very Christian place. But, it's, but Hemingway spent a ton of time in Michigan too, right? The, the, the big two hearted river and all of those mm-hmm. stories take place up in Michigan and nobody's more macho. Nobody's Hemingway. more into bullfighting than yeah. Hemingway. And Hemingway said, Hemingway always said, there's only a handful of sports that are truly worth doing because they're dangerous. Motor racing and bullfighting. Okay. And so to me, I was like, oh, because you said the word macho. And it's like, whether Hemingway really was that or not. I mean, we know he drove an ambulance in the war and we know he went and did all this crazy shit that he did. But it's again, it's, he's telling his own story. Yeah, exactly. So is he full of shit, just like Willie? So I just, I loved that illusion to, you go to Michigan, he's in a bowl, he's driving, you know, it's like, so I don't know, did you get that, like, comment? Because you talked about that, and again, this is me doing what I do and, like, stretching too far, but, like, no, no, no. that commentary it's... on those kinds of macho bullfighting bullshit stories. I, yeah, I felt the bull, I was definitely feeling that machismo is, well, and the thing you say, of the interesting thing you say there about Hemingway telling his own story, is definitely I like this idea of because that's what Willie does. Willie is right, is exactly. Is, is, yeah. But he's not telling it to anybody else. He's telling it to himself constantly. <laughs> saying so it. is. Oh my he's got God. like an internal monologue about how great he is as a driver. And um, one of the one of the fascinating things in this that's incredibly sort of although you described him as a mechanic and a navigator, really Hank isn't a navigator. He's there to help. Because one of the things is that the race, the driver picks the route and then doesn't share it with, um, you know, the what's it like the, but, the, right, the know, navigator? You're right. With yeah, the navigator, with the, with the, but yeah. it's it's so sort of like isolated. The driver is basically like it's, he sees himself as like a lone hero, you know, like Mad Max road warrior, kind of like me and the road. Um, and this thing of the bull, the sort of uh, fetishization of the car as a bull and stuff is clearly there as. This this sort of um, yeah, this sort of thing of power, isn't it? Sort of like you know, I am bull, kind of sort of like yes, it's all about the exactly. power. And, and he is the bull instead yeah. of the man. Yes, yeah, yeah. he's in the he's in the bull car. Yeah, yeah. So like you know, it's yeah, I, I love all the sort of the macho side of it, um, and also like it, which is depicted throughout because it's sort of like the dismissive when he's first killed. Like, there's the dismissiveness of the kill and all that kind of thing. Um. But what 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 I felt was, and I'll throw this in from a macho. Because let's keep on with the macho yeah. thing, please. And I think this is a really interesting commentary that I still I think is still relevant today, right? So we're in 2023, and there's this whole thing about being an alpha. You know, you got to be an alpha. <laughs> if you're not an alpha, yeah. you're a beta, and you're just like, oh no, you're a tosser, is what you are. That's what you are. Yeah. <laughs> you're a dick. Is what yeah, you're exactly. Like. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there was this thing of like the 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 macho is its isolation. It's you do everything, you know, you're in control, blah, blah, blah. You're also distant. You are not one of the people. And then when he is confronted with like, I like the fact that, cause he's in this sort of plexiglass dome on the car. So they can't hear anything. They can't, you know, it's bulletproof. It, the, the glass is bloodproof. It, like it smears off and all this other stuff, which is kind of cool. Um, but when he steps out, it's the sort of the noises, like there's the moaning and the wailing, and he sees the carnage. And all of a sudden, like that macho, it's there in front of him, and that macho facade just starts to crumble when he's like confronted with the with the shit that he's done, really. 
Um, and I like the fact that it was. It was like, yeah, machismo is kind of fragile and is just a facade. 100%. No, yeah. it's all true. It is. And I do think that, and especially it's because then he gets out of his dome. He's not in a car that's moving hundreds of miles an hour. These are people mm. just out on the street. And then his whole thing, because Hank says, why would you go to Michigan? That's like, because, you know, Michigan, there's no through Michigan. It's a door. Like, we always say Michigan is not a door. It's a window. Like, right. like you know what I mean? Like, you're yeah. not going, like, you're getting kind of. You're not going well, there to go, go somewhere that else. Way? Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, you know, you're good. Yeah, it's not a, you don't pass through it because there's lakes on all sides. It's mm. peninsula. So, so, um. So going into Grand Rapids, like going all the way up, then you got to come all the way straight back down. And he's like, well, no one would expect us there. So I can get more points. So it's like, he's a calculated serial killer. Oh, I mean, and they're yeah, yeah, yeah. rewarded for being a serial killer. And this is a thing that people like. And it doesn't, what I like too, is that they don't explain why. Like there's no, I mean, there is like a brief history of the race on the radio, a very canon movie move mm-hmm. of like, we're going to let the newscaster tell you the, tell you the news, tell you what's going on without, and that's a good, it's a cheap, easy exposition. I'm not against yeah, it. Yeah, I'm yeah. just saying, you know. And so, but then he's like, turns the radio off. He's like, I don't need that. So even like Melcher's like, ah, you don't really care, do you? We yeah, are, you're, here for the, you're here for the action, <laughs> not for the history. Right. Like nobody right, right. cares. Nobody really cares. So I find that really fascinating too. But I think you're right. But there is clearly a commentary on that. And then, and Hank too, he, he still sees it. He, like that didn't affect him. Because no. he's not the butcher. Like you said, part of that isolationist, He's along for the ride and he's going to get money on the on the back end. But, you know, the mechanic doesn't make as much as the driver. That is the case still. Like, you mm. know, if you're on the pit crew, you get a percent, you get your weekly pay, you get a percentage of what you won at the race and that's it. But it's not as much. The driver always gets the most, right? That's, that's just, that's how it is. And that's how it is in everything, right? Mm. The, the, co- the, the agent gets 10%. The, you know, you didn't get the job without the agent, but it's 10%, you know, so it's always the talent. And so, of course, but when the talent falls apart, it changes. And so it doesn't affect Hank doesn't fall apart because he's not doing it. He doesn't. He's literally a passenger. Yeah. Well, he maintains that distance, doesn't he? And it's yeah. that thing, isn't it? Like, you know, um, of, of like say, there's less machismo with Hank, but he's almost like what what, what I thought was interesting as well is because they're not friends. They don't feel no. like there's any friendship between them. Mm-mm. Um, and I almost the, wonder is he knew because if this is this is Willie's second or third third time third, mm. fourth time winning whatever and and this guy's all about the money so maybe he this is his first chance to get the money because he wasn't his mechanic he wasn't his you know maybe yeah. sidekick before I don't know yeah. he wasn't his he wasn't his Sparky to speed racer I don't know what the deal is. <laughs> you know like uh, maybe there's a boy and a monkey in the trunk. Maybe. Oh, you never Wouldn't know. That... That'd be amazing. That's that's a sequel. <laughs> that's the sequel. Speed, Speed Racer yeah. has to infiltrate the death race. I would that's watch. Right. Oh my god, that. that's that's it. Yeah. Um <laughs> that's a universe that's a multiverse crossover I want to see. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> um but yeah, no, the, the, one of the, the other things about this is um because it's a long it's, it's like uh Le Mans. Like it's just go ongoing, yeah. right? This it is never stops. Sort of, yeah, there's never no breaks. Yeah. Um, and so he has these tablets called no sleeps. And um, but he does start to get drowsy or something, and that's what sort of seems to feed into these hallucinations that he starts having. Like he starts to question himself and he sees Muriel and the baby, or there's an old woman that he's then killed. Um, and he starts to see these things. Um 
and it starts to sort of like it's it's plague it's plaguing him, isn't it? Because I think the other thing that was that's as well to go back to this machismo, it's not just um, seeing the carnage. It's not just seeing this small girl carrying the child, but you know, body of a child. It's the fact that he was expecting adulation. He was. Like he's yeah. expecting to go out and them to be like, "Yay, it's Willie the Racer!" Like they're expecting yeah. him. To, like he, and then they're all calling him. They start calling him the Butcher, and sort of like they turn. They're starting to turn on him, and he's really confused. Like he's like, "Well, why don't they? Why aren't they applauding me?" Like that's a really good score, right? And it's 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 that's exactly it. And it's like when you get stuck in your own whatever it is, and it's not even just whether you're a whether you're this or that, or whether you're a serial killing race car driver or whatever it is you do. If you never are open to criticism because you're literally in a bloodproof bubble, then, um, and the only person with you is going to tell you whatever it takes to get you across the finish line. Cause he's, yeah. a, he's got skin in the game. It's $25,000 to him. Right. So he's like yeah. going to say whatever you want. You got it, boss. He's that guy. He's not going to say no. You're, so when you're constantly surrounded by yes, men, when you finally hear no for the first time, that's a big shock. And yeah. that is, true of all things right uh, yeah but I mean, the, the, one of the things that it was funny one of the things that sort of came to because i do feel like this is kind of prescient we've said about the machismo kind oh of yeah thing. yeah but the also the other thing was that jumped into my mind that in that scene was this idea of like when billionaires tell you they're doing stuff and the whole world just goes <laughs> eh? all right well good for you carry yeah, on nice like, and, and then these billionaires get a little bit like no I'm going to space, and you go. All right, yeah. cool, cool, well done. See you tomorrow. Yeah. Like we don't care. And there's this kind of confusion that comes from like people like Jeff Bezos or or Elon Musk when they do things, and they don't get this sort of. There is a group, you know. There is the sort of like tech bros that will give them that adulation, but the majority of the audience or the majority of the population just sort of just shrug their shoulders and carry on and go. It's that rich dickhead being a rich dickhead again. Like we'll just. He literally him. built a giant penis. And that's the thing. It's exactly right. And the thing is, and you know who you're impressed by is the, you know, like the right stuff, like those folks, like Mm. Jaeger, you know, like when you think back of like a Sally ride, like you busted your ass to be an astronaut. You had to jump through hoops. You had to be physically fit. You had to be smart. Cause like the thing that everybody forgets about astronauts, they're not like, we always focus on the Jaeger you know, and, and that when, when you think about like the other shows, like for all mankind, that show is amazing. Um, the, the main characters are always like the race, like the ranger is the guy mm. is the Willie, right. Is the fighter pilot who's can do, but you know, the rest of the crew, like have Scientists. PhD, yeah. right. <laughs> exactly. They're like, um, I had to go to school and be physically fit. Yeah. You have to fly the plane, which is not hard. I'm not pretending that's hard. You did training too, but I also did training. Yeah. And so like when you see the rich dickhead build his giant penis rocket, you're like, yeah, I mean, it's because you have a billion dollars. Yeah, exactly. It's not because you didn't work at NASA and design it. Like you weren't a scrappy kid from, you know, Alabama A and M, and you went. And you got a. You got a. You know, lacrosse scholarship to to get a phys, to get a physics degree, and you like came from nothing. You know, you were not that. You're just this guy. I mean, yeah, yeah. you worked hard for your billion dollars, but we off reward, the back of a lot of other people. Probably, right, we though, reward but... you for going to space. We reward we as people. I think we reward those amazing things because you worked hard to do it, as yeah. opposed to. You did. You were just given it. You know, it's like in sports. It's the same thing. Like sports, you know, athletes are heroes to a lot of people because it's fucking hard. 
Yeah. We recognize how hard this is. We can't do that. We've all played football. We've all played baseball. We've all played whatever sport you're watching. And you're like, I can't do that. Yeah. I can't stand there and have somebody throw a tiny ball at me at 110 miles an hour and I'm going to hit it with a piece of wood. That's yeah. not going to happen for me. So that's fucking amazing. And we respect the game because Elon Musk couldn't hit the ball. No. He couldn't go to space if he couldn't build his own penis chip. Well, exactly. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, that's totally so, true. Yeah. And that's, yeah. So I kind of like that this is sort of saying all this stuff. Um, you know, comments nice mm. on, on the race front thing. But one of the things, obviously, he, cr- he does sort of crumble at the end because he, yeah. he, he avoids killing he on several loses. occasions. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He, oh. he intentionally loses, you know. He's a loser. Nobody he likes him. Lo- nobody likes Willie. Yeah. I would have totally run that baby over. Yeah. yeah. That's exactly it. Um, and so, but when he gets to the end, I want to get to him because we want to jump onto the films yeah, as well. Of when, when we get to the end, that ending, he wait, there's a crash and he wakes up in bed and Muriel's there and he sort of confronts the ghost of Muriel. Let's be, let's be clear. Well, yeah. no, we uh, don't know. We don't know. Is it a hallucination? Clearly, we don't know. It's not clear whether it's really Muriel. Like, cause she's like, I heard you calling my name and I knew you meant me. Like, yeah. They, well, they, it was they, like they reported that you said Muriel. Yeah. Yeah. So it's weird that this young girl sort of like has this like you know really sort of destructive line that like smashes his ego, in in like you know oh you know he's like I'm not a butcher yet nor a racer and I'm like oh burn it was a sick burn you burn and you know what though here's goes back to your machismo commentary a woman saying no to a man is the thing that a man can't stand the most yes. Like a bro telling another bro, no, or like, let's fight it out. Let's shoot hoops. Let's play pig, whatever. Let's do the thing that bros do. We'll arm wrestle. We'll do that yeah. bond move where we put our arms together and drop a lit cigarette in there. Right. Remember yeah. what was that yeah. one? Um, and, you know, like whatever the thing is, whatever the cool bond thing is that they do. Right. The got you son of a bitch. Right. That yeah, yeah. big bro arm flex, nothing gay about predator, you know, that thing. All of that is what men do. But when a woman says, uh, no, not impressed, what can he do? Yeah. Yeah, that's what's brilliant about it. So it is the way the way to the end of machismo is. Yeah, he's completely sort of like dismantled <laughs> in it. Like, and I, I kind of love it. I, I, lo- I love that it just leaves it there. There's no yeah. comeback. There's no like, you know, Denis where he went off to win another race with it. No, it just stops there where he sort of. Yeah, like, nor a racer. Yeah, yeah, like, and it's cool. In the audio version I sent you, it lingers. Like the sound lingers a little bit. Mm. There's like a, a wah, wah, wah. at the end. It's like fuck you. It's so cool. <laughs> and I think like if people hadn't read it and didn't know that was the end, they'd probably be like, "Well, damn it, he didn't finish reading it." Yeah, <laughs> I'll have to listen to it. But like, this, yeah. I, I just love it. So, yeah, because it's that thing of like, no, like I say, it cripples his like his machismo. Oh, his but, ego is yeah. broken. But like. um it's, it's like you say, even sort of like the, the writer's gone sort of like, I don't like this person. And so I'm just going to, yeah, know, balls to it. That's it. Yeah. I loved it. I think that was yeah. really smart. Yeah. And, yeah. and he's not likable at all. And I do think it's really, and this is 1958, you know what I mean? So, and again, he's not American. So it's clearly commenting on American culture too. That's part of the, again, that to me, commenting on Hemingway and all of his bullshittery. Well, the machismo, like, it's, it is. Yeah, so, the, because the bull is almost like the cowboy as well, isn't it? It's also oh, yeah. with the John you know. Wayne and yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah this John is Wayne, definitely America, fuck yeah, yeah. What this is, yeah. Um, because one of the things is sort of like to well lead on to the um 
the film, the first film, the Death Race 2000, the second. But one of the things I want to sort of like circle back to is, it's yeah. like one of the things about this is it, it, it teases you that he's on a redemption arc. Like he's going to see the light. Mm. And this is where I was kind of like at one point I was I was almost ex- I was almost expecting to be disappointed. They were like, and Willie went on to become to join the anti race league, and I was like, no, 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 I don't want him to join the anti race league, and he doesn't. Um, it is the fact that even to the end, like he's still fighting this quest, self doubt, this self questioning. So that's where I was kind of like, oh no, I really want to just chuck this in and and you know rub salt in the wound. So. Um, which yes. they which they don't have the courage to do in the film. No, no, we'll get to. Let's just get we to will. that then. Yeah. yeah, let's get to the film then. So this obviously was adapted into a film because we can still comment on both. Yeah, of um, course, and I think we have to as we go through yes. too. And obviously, as the one film comments on the other film, which comments back on this. And again, you know, and I think the the joy of this exercise about adaptations is what you choose to keep, what you choose mm. to lose, and why you choose to do these things. Like when there's a change. And obviously, when you're taking a 12-page short story and turning it into... No, Roger Corman, if he could turn it into a 12-minute movie, he'd fuck or what? If he could yeah. make money oh. off of it, he would. Cheap-ass yeah. bastard. Yeah. Did you know that Alien? That, that they came, Walter Hill came to him with Alien? Oh, and he's like, really? And he was like, I think you're going to need $4 million for this. And he didn't say, <laughs> I don't have it. He said, I'm not going to spend it on this. You should take it somewhere <laughs> else. And it was originally called Space Beast, which is, I'm sure, what Corman liked. And he's like, so go check it out. And if you ca- if you can't, come back. I'll totally fucking make Space Beast for like a million bucks, probably. Mm. Right. So like, phew. How, how, interesting, how, how interesting. How interesting. Dodged the bullet. History, you know, those sliding <laughs> doors of history. <laughs> and I love Corman, but I'm super yeah, well, yeah, glad yeah. he did not make Space Beast. But all of that to say, Corman misses the point on a lot of things. Yes. Um, and... But I love him for all the things that he is. And and so as a, he's making adaptations, of course, you know, his favorite thing is like, there's going to be fast cars and there's going to be naked with. Well, can you give me those things? And they're like, yep. He's like, here's some money. So he obviously was in, involved in the writing of it. So, you know, he when it was all written up and then he actually handed it to someone else to give it a direct to rewrite over because he felt it was too dark and too serious. So someone Which else. Which it is, because uh, somebody read the short story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so the film is, it's, it's Death Race 2000. It's a sort of the race that goes uh, every year. There was a race. There are five racing teams um, in their kitted out cars from Batman 66. One hundred percent. And they each have a gimmick, which I really love. And then they basically race across so country, good. and it's exactly the same. It's a speed race and a points race for killing people. They can choose different routes. Um, we have the main two characters is um, Frankenstein and his navigator. Uh, Amy, and, she's called. Amy, yeah. And then uh, his main protagonist, or antagonist, sorry, is uh, Machine Gun Joe, wonderfully played by a pre-Rocky Sylvester Stallone, um, and his mole. Um, and then there's a whole series of like other. There's there's a um, Calamity Jane. Calamity a, she Jane. drives the bull. She drives the bull. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And, and then Tilda the Hunt, which is Nazi. <laughs> Even in '72, I'm like, this is too close to the bone. I know. Um, and, and then uh, Nero the hero, Martin Cove. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, Karate Kids. I, isn't Martin that Cove. amazing? Yeah. He has not like. He's just has always looked this old. Yeah. 
I was, yeah, I had to double check because I thought that can't be him because like, a decade and a half later, he still looks the same. <laughs> exactly. So, but it's not like a good, it's not like a Rob Lowe, Eric oh, McCormack, you know, um, Carla. Yeah. I look exactly the same 25 years later. What's, who did you no, this kill guy, for that? This guy hit 45, looks... at, this guy hit 45 <laughs> at, at 12. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Stayed there. <laughs> um, so amazing. So they basically they they have this race they have these teams and it's basically this this, this very similar sort of act. the race itself is very similar in that structure they have to kill people but we find that the anti race league is a much bigger uh, establishment and they are going to use this race to bring the twentieth anniversary the twentieth anniversary to bring down um, the system and the uh, Frankenstein's navigator is a plant and she's the one that's going to kill the the president. Um, when they get to shake hands. Um, and throughout the race, the whole thing happens. And the, the basically sort of the people are killed off, boom, 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 throughout it. Eventually it coming down to Machine Gun Joe and uh, Frankenstein. And then there's a big reveal at the end that Frankenstein is actually intending to kill the president as well. He has a hand grenade, which is oh possibly God. the worst pun. I love <laughs> it so much. Talk <laughs> about Batman 66. Yes, that was when I was like, oh, this is 100% exactly what i thought it was um which is a hand grenade just for the audience it's a hand grenade in the palm of his hand yeah that's it so it's a hand grenade because there's a whole line there's like this comment like why do you never take that glove off and he's like and then he turns it into like a weird sexy time thing with the glove (laughs) and then when you find out later you're like wasn't that a little dangerous what were you you (laughs) doing which is really weird as well but so weird yeah um, but you do discover too. That's the big reveal, and this obviously continues on in the rest mm-hmm. of the W.S. Anderson verse and in Corman's own 2050 with Manu Bennett, mm-hmm. who took all the cocaine before they started, started <laughs> shooting that film. I it's so bad, but I love his performance. He's like 11, right? All I've not, in. I've not seen it. I may have to watch that. I mean, um, I loved him in the Arrowverse and all, but like he is in. He is all in on that on that performance. Like. I'm sure he's like, I get to meet Roger Corman. I better take all the coke. That's what yeah. it feels like. And maybe he's just that good <laughs> an actor. But the best part is, is you learn, he says to Annie, he's like, I'm not Frank. Because the myth of Frankenstein is he's he was destroyed here and he was this and this. And they keep yeah, rebuilding there's, him. There's been these like Darth Vader. I mean, lost, clearly, lost oh, Roger yeah. Corman saw Star Wars. Um, right? Because this came yeah, out in yeah. 75. Yeah, 74. Yeah, so this is before so, Star Wars. Star Wars was 77. Oh, you're right. Oh, my God, it was. Holy this influence, th- th- I should say as well, because th- I think the influence on th- of this at the time is kind of heavy because not only did I do I think uh, Frankenstein influenced Darth Vader. You're right. He did. It was the other way around. You're yeah. totally right. Wow. Uh, a certain Carlos Esquera um, was influenced by... Um, uh, his work, yeah, by 100%. Frankenstein for the for the very first draft drawing of Judge Dredd. The cape 100%. Was, was removed, but yeah, but yeah, it's all there. It is there. So anyway, so he says, "I was raised in some government facility to just be the next Frankenstein, just like yeah. everybody before me." The Frankenstein's new every year; they kill him off at the end of every year, and she thinks he's kidding. Mm. Like that's not a thing to joke about, Annie. Why would I say that? But I mean, he's already tr- you know because he, he takes the mask off, and turns out. He's not ugly. He's just David Carradine. And I'm like, well. Yeah, you're not ugly, but you're not the best looking I mean, guy either. So let's. Stallone's over, like 22 year old Stallone's over there. 
yeah. I'm just saying, <laughs> let's calm down a little here. But yeah. Um, so anyway, that that was the that's the that's the little trick that you know the purloined letter. I'm not going to mm. give Roger Corman too much Edgar Allan Poe love, but that's the purloined letter that he says it out loud. It's right in front of us. This is what it is. And then um, yeah, then he blows the Mr. President up. No, he doesn't. Well, he sort of does. We'll get well, to the end. We'll get to the yeah. end because it's a, it's a bit of a there's a there's a sort of a twist and all sort of stuff. Yeah. Now I want to call it. But that's his plan. Yes, that's his plan. Yeah, it's sort of hand grenade. Yes, is amazing. But Stallone is giving it his all in this. I think he's given the Manu Bennett performance in this uh, as Machine Gun Joe. He's the Willy character. Like he, his whole thing is Willy. Like he's this thing of like he's always come second to Frankenstein. No one likes. Seems to sort of like he hasn't got the adulation that some of others. Like there's a whole bunch of neo Nazis in the audience for. yeah, which is hilarious. But what I thought was hilarious is when they don't like him and they start chanting for Frankenstein, he gets up and starts open opens fire on the audience. On uh, the audience, I with know. With a Tommy gun. So, yeah, so he's open fire on the audience. So, you know, Stallone's loving this um, in performance. So my question was, do you know, does he, does he historically love this performance? Or, like, does he look back on this with disdain, like he does some of his other things that... Is he proud of his? Because a lot of people look back on their work with Corman and are like, "Fucking yeah, I work for fucking Roger Corman." So recently, I don't think there's a sort of. Um, funnily enough, this this is the period when Stallone was really trying to make a big break. These early seventies, you'll see him trying to turn up in all kinds of different bits of films, and it wasn't working for him, um, which obviously led to Rocky. Um, <laughs> so, from what I know, is he's not he's not unhappy with it. So he's been happy to talk about it. But it's one of those where it's like it was a job mm. kind of thing, where he's like, "Yeah, I, I did it because I was trying to break in. I'm trying to sort of have this breakout performance. I'm trying to do something, and that's why I think it's, it is what it is." Um, but it's just weird because of still who Stallone is, like watching it back, this young guy, and you're just sort of like, "Wow, this is interesting to see him doing this." Um, well, it's because and you and Max did Nighthawks, and yeah. Which, of course, could have been the sequel to French Connection, which would have been amazing. And it sort of is still a sequel to French Connection. And, you know, he's even mm. puts on a dress in that one, but refused to shave his beard. That's still my weirdest. The weirdest That's my part favorite of that part of that film. Yeah. Is that he does He goes undercover in drag, but doesn't shave his beard. I'm like, wow. That 70s macho, that is. That is way too much. <laughs> but, Yes. I know that's where he thought his career was going to go. Mm-hmm. And that movie didn't make the money that they thought it was going to make. Also, maybe they shouldn't have told everybody this was going to be the sequel to The French Connection, but those guys aren't in it. Maybe yeah. they should have not told everybody that and people would have just gone. It's a really good movie. And of it course, is. he's a great writer. He is really a good actor. But mm. at some point in time, you make the choice. Allison and her husband, Cody, and I were just talking about Tom Cruise, how at one point Tom Cruise made the choice to be Tom Cruise instead yes. of being an actor. But when he acts, when he shows up, for the other Paul Anderson, Paul Thomas Anderson in Magnolia, he's really good. Even in Tropic Thunder, which again, that movie's problematic for all the reasons, he shows up and he acts. And yes. He's good when somebody else is telling him what to do, when he's not Tom cruising it up. Stallone, this was him trying to act, trying to do a thing. And then, like you said, realize people really like this. Mm. Yeah, this is this is him. Yeah. Like, you know, there's, 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 I think, you know, Rocky is him acting at times. I think he can do it. But this is more of a like, Rambo 2. <laughs> no, right. It is Rambo 2. That's it. That's yeah. the funny thing. is because like he acts in Rambo 1 very well. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. acts really well in Rocky. And all of the Rocky films, you know, I mean, 3 and 4 are what they are for a reason, but he's not acting very hard in 3 and 4. No. 
No. Right. And then he tries the other things. And I know he like when he made Oscar and he made Stop from My Mom Will Shoot, he's always he's, uh, you know, but then it's like, dude, you made Copland. Like there's movies out there for you. You're you. You got to get you got to get over yourself. And that's why I always wonder, like, because everybody else in this movie is like, yeah, fuck. Yeah. I was in goddamn Death Race 2000. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. 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 And he's like, oh, it was just a job. I was trying to. Yeah. Yeah. You don't need you, man. You know, um, <laughs> yes, Mr. Sloan. That's exactly how we. That's feel exactly about how we feel about it. We feel the same um, way. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, he's, he's good fun because I do like the fact that he's always a bit like he hates Frank. He hates Frankenstein with a passion, um, and he yeah. doesn't, he doesn't know that it's a new guy every year. Like he thinks it's a guy with bionic arms and a new yeah. eye and all this other stuff. Um. So I, I kind of like that antagonistic relationship that they have throughout it. They have a fight later on, and again, that make you when you realize that he has a hand grenade in his hand, that's when you're a bit like, "What? Wow, wow. dangerous!" Yeah. <laughs> seems a little, yeah. And I loved the, um, and then Stallone could have been doing his own stunts, but there's clearly a few. It's clearly you, not. Oh my god, have you ever seen uh, the Keenan Ivory Wayne's "I'm Gonna Get You, Sucker"? Yes, yes, love it. Okay, it's almost that level. Of, yeah, there's a great scene for people who haven't seen "I'm Gonna Get You, Sucker." First of all, what is wrong with you? Run and watch that movie. But there's a scene where like the old grandma, the old African American grandma, <laughs> is suddenly like a white guy with a like a mustache in doing, her dress, doing back flips. Stunt man. Yeah. yeah, and it's so brilliant. And there's like moments of that in this where it's like, wow, that's Coleman for you. That's Roger that Coleman is... for you. <laughs> but it, to me, Coleman would be like. But see, Stallone was smart. Stallone plays dumb. So like mm. he's like, I'm not gonna get in a fist fight. I'm not doing my own stunts. Like yeah, I'm no, not have to. You're not yeah. paying me enough for that. Like when it's my own movie, I'm gonna do my own stunts. But this is not you're not paying me enough for this. That's it. Yeah. Get a stunt man. And he, you know, and he did, and it's so bad. And I yes. almost feel like that was Corman is like I had to I ain't gonna lie. He I got the grip. It. Yeah. Right? He's like <laughs> Put the microphone down. We'll we'll do this rest in ADR. You get in there. He's like, I'm like six four. He's like, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, fine. Nobody'll notice. That's right. Yeah, and I have yeah. That's it. I'm six four, and I have a I have a handlebar mustache. No one's gonna notice. Don't worry. It'll be fine. Uh, yeah, it's it's perfect. It's, I mean, this is such a common film in that respect. I look, you know, all the cars. There's all this footage of the cars. He's like super sped up. So he invented the... that, right? Yeah, I think so. I dust. Yeah. yeah, like that's the one that um. Chris and Dave did with young mm. Ron Howard and they put the camera on the hood and then mm. they speed it up. Yes. So it's like, it's really makes you sick. And then it's in fact, like the movie's already only 119 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, whew, half of it is in fast motion. Again, not, I think Zack Snyder is a great filmmaker, but the anti Zack Snyder, he's like fast. This is we're we're cutting. We're almost at 91 minutes. Yeah. That's an Can extra you, reel. I'm yeah, pretty sure. Roger Coleman was like, can you really drive at 170 miles an hour? Well, we, we can't do that, Roger. All right, huh. well, well, we'll just speed it up then. We'll just speed it up. <laughs> I'm Probably sure do it he asked. Yeah, I'm He's sure. Like, yeah. We've got the road blocked off. Yeah, and they're like, do it. still just no, do it. Roger. Still yeah. <laughs> no, boss. <laughs> um, like, but I do, I do love all those effects because it's really funny, especially when they hit like a speed bump or they hit like a... Uh, um, crater in the road like a you know and the car just juds and it uh, really fast so it all looks it looks kind of silly but this film one of the things i thought about this film is it because it's um it's clearly a, it becomes a satire this film becomes very quickly becomes a, a satire and it, it put another two films in my head actually but one of the things i loved about it is, is not so much the racers because that sort of becomes a very straightforward kind of story. Yeah. You've got the anti-race league and the female, uh, the the older woman who's sort of like the 
the head of that. No, it's the sports commentators I loved. I love it. Grace yeah. Pander, Junior Bruce, who is the Junior real Bruce. Steel. Yeah. yeah, yeah, who is like a DJ. He's like really a DJ. Yeah. He's in, you know, he's of course in Rock and Roll High School and he plays the DJ in Rock and Roll High School, who does the same thing, who does the commenting there. Mm. I love them. And what Harold is the like the Walter Cronkite. Yeah, I love his doing that. So good. They're, it's they're so perfect. good. Every time it cuts to them, this film elevates slightly. Yeah. Especially say the Walter Cronkite, he's given the contract. They're about to enter Manhattan. And, right. Uh, it's oh. really sort of level. But then you got her when she introduces and she says, he's a, she's a very dear friend of mine. Every, yeah, because her Everyone. name is Grace Pander. Yeah. On yeah. The nose. Yeah. It's and Junior Bruce, who of course has his big moment at the end where or not. Um it's so good. It is and they their TV that they're on is TV. Yeah, it just says TV. TV. Yeah. One thing I said to Jack when we talked about these films, and so I will say it again here for the sake of being redundant, but I get to say it to somebody else. Um, so this is like to me, the the thing Roger Corman accidentally makes a point. He never yes. tries to make a point. He's like, give me some fast cars and make sure that they take their shirts off and we're good. Nah, here's some money. He got that. And they're like, well, I'm going to sneak in some social commentary. And that's the TV thing. Because this is post-Vietnam War, which was a war done on TV. Mm. Mm-hmm. Right? And it's like, so to me, this is like the comment on that. Like oh. the fact that the first time in the world, every night on American TV, they watched real war happen yeah. and that was entertainment. And so now that's over. And so what are you going to do? What's the next thing? What's well, this, the, the, I, I want to say, cause I agree. I was thinking, yeah. I, I was torn between two things. Cause I was thinking about that, this idea, cause they do say that like Vietnam is the first time that a war was shown on the news in real time right. and all this other stuff. Um, and I did think about that cause they're then commentating on it. And look, junior Bruce, when some of the stuff like, you know, uh, there's a great scene when like he comments on I think one of them I think it's um the what's the Caesar one called um the, oh Nero the hero Nero the hero when he gets blown up and they're all sort of like he, he's going to comment it and then someone in a suit just comes on and hands him a um a piece of paper and he's uh-huh. like he's like oh my god and they hand it he's fine he's fine and they do that twice they, they yeah. do it with Matilda too or no with uh no they do it yeah you know, when Matilda dies too they yeah. do the same thing they try to report on it and they're like no exactly and so I'm seeing this thing of like how the news gets manipulated to produce the best you know, to produce the TV. positive story. Yeah, TV yeah. is telling you the best possible stories. So I was like, oh, like you said, there's a commentary. And also this idea of bread and circuses. Like, oh, yeah. Watch this crazy sort of like, you know, these crazy races killing people. You know, it's euthanasia day at the hospital. We're putting all oh the old people God, on the road. Yeah. And then he <laughs> runs over the doctors, and doctors instead. <laughs> They're like, oh, he only racked up 200 points out of a possible 700. Yeah. But what do you think it. about that, Grace? She's like, well, my personal friend. That, yeah. But all that is fantastic. There's so I love much. It. And this is what I'm watching it going like, it's like, it's it's a, like a violent version of Batman 66. Like, it's ludicrous. It it's absolutely ludicrous. But. Yeah. If they could have got Eartha Kid to take her shirt off. That's what yeah. this is. Because if, if, if there's a reason she wasn't in a Roger Corman movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, the mean? woman, the woman who was um, uh, one of them. There's one that doesn't. You don't see. I think it's no, it's not Annie. Because you do see her like bare chest and stuff. I think it's Stallone's 
partner. No, you one one time, but she's not up. She doesn't get into the naked slap fight. Yes, she's on the massage. But you, table. Yeah, but you never see, time. but you never see her breasts and stuff. She right, apparently, yeah. she apparently was up for one of the other roles, and then when Roger oh, was like, well, do it. but wouldn't do it, and so he was like, fine, you'll just have that one then instead. So there's clear misogyny and and sexism on on set and stuff, but um. So yeah, but I, I just think this this odd sort of like you say accidental satire is so good um that it made me think of like this, you know, we've gone from you know, from Corman to Verhoeven. Like I was like, Oh, oh. you we I'm go sure from... Verhoeven loves Corman. Oh, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, I think Verhoeven because that's the thing, Verhoeven knows what he's doing. Yes. Right? And Corman accidentally does something. Like, yeah. Corman just wants to make a movie. Like, this is the guy who also makes, like, the two-headed shark, ice shark movie. He did the one movie with the league. Like, he got Tiffany and uh, Debbie Gibson to begin a movie where they fight monsters. Like, this is what Roger Corman does. Like, Rock and Roll High School, again, one of my all-time favorite movies. is redi- I mean, this whole cast is in it, right? Yeah, I mean, every t- t- Two yeah. of my favorite Vincent Price films are, are Roger Corman films, so... Yeah. He knows what he's doing. Dude yeah. knows what he's doing. Right. At, you know, like, obviously his hero is Ed Wood. Mm. I mean, you talk about Roger, you know, you talk about Vince Price. Like he was in the, you know, but there's, um, and obviously Tim Burton too, you know, like they try to make these like cheapy, weird movies and they, they're still trying to do something. And Corman just wants to make money. I mean, if, if you ever want to have your heart broken, everybody, and you see what a villain Roger Corman is, as much as I love him. Watch the Fantastic the, Four the doc- documentary. Yeah, well, and, and there's also there's a documentary. I think it's called now, but it's about Roger Corman and his filmography. And like you say, he does not come across particularly well when he's interviewed about certain things and that. He so, lost money on this movie at first. This was really? one of the few movies that he lost money on because he tried. They released it theatrically, mm. like big time theatrically, not like one theater. Like they released Rock and Roll High School in one theater in like New Mexico. Yeah, they like, hit and a that certain requirement or something. Correct yeah. for SAG for SAG rules because in yeah, Rockwell yeah. High School, you know, like you got PJ Souls and you know she's a she's a she's a mm. SAG member. You know, like you're not going to get her unless you do the thing. And everybody else, these are just like the Roger Corman players, you know, yeah. and they're like doing it off the books and jungle shooting and all that other stuff. And yeah, he, he accidentally wears like great Verhoeven. That's a great shout because Verhoeven, obviously knows what he's doing and he sees the hidden genius in Corman is like I could do that. Yeah. Let's and there's the reason this. the remake of the remake of Robocop doesn't work. A hundred percent. Yeah. If you miss the point. Yes. And I, I always find that with, well and the same with the the remake of uh, like uh, Total Recall. You're sort of like oh you've really just, sort yeah, of, you missed you, the point. Yeah you're not getting the point that Verhoeven made with his version. Right. Um so I, I do I think the commentary in this though like I say is spot on accidentally. Right, um, uh, <laughs> but also this sort of thing of this anti-race league. You've have obviously, you know, you've got like the anti-war movement in the sixties mm-hmm. and early seventies. Um, but also, I like this sort of there's there's certain things about the state of America. So you say about bread and circuses about how um, you know we it always gets about every country. We have the same in the UK about how oh it's always better back then. And you go oh, it wasn't you know the you know, the state of the country. The president doesn't rule. Uh, America from America, like he has. I think it's from. Is it Shanghai at one point? Like he has the presidential he in, palace. Well, they never say exactly where he is, but it's yeah, the presidential Paris in in Asia. Yeah, he's in definitely Asia. in Shanghai, and then he's. Yeah. But then they hate the French. Oh, that's the other thing. Yeah, it's always the French. There's not the anti racist the Yeah, yeah. But that's uh, his scapegoat. Yeah, it's the French Europe. 
But I Europe. love the f- but that you know, and even again, like you know, I'm watching this, and this this president <laughs> at the end when he's making this speech about how the French have ruined their economy and how yeah. we will do this, and he actually says that we'll make we'll, we will stand and be strong and be great again. And I'm like, holy wow. shit, yeah, <laughs> holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> a Roger Corman film seems to have predicted, uh, you know, the current sort of like st- well, not well, current, but, but like so did, but I mean, so did, so did the wasteland, so did uh, yeah. uh, Dread, you know, like yeah. I mean, they predicted. He was, you could see him coming from space. Yeah, this was inevitable, you know, it, just as Thanos was, so was Donald Trump. Donald Trump was inevitable. It's true. Um, <laughs> That's well said. <laughs> um. But the, the twist at the end, so we'll get into the, the twist yeah. in the end, is uh, obviously that Frankenstein actually is it probably on killing the president and uh, bringing down the system and sort of, um, Annie's going to do it as well. And you get to the end of the race and you're not entirely sure what's going to happen because there's been a confrontation and Frankenstein steps out of the car to receive his award um, and has a knife, a small knife, but then is apprehended uh, and it's revealed to be Annie, yeah, she's shot by her own grandmother because she sort of thinks that. <laughs> and this is what's great because the anti-race league think that Frankenstein's killed her, right? Because so he so drugged she... her to make yes. her to make him think that. Yeah, it was all part of yeah some plan um, just to make her get whiplash banging around. Probably because yeah. they couldn't. I think they wrote that in because they couldn't afford that shot with two actors in the car. Yeah, I I, I did think that. I was thinking. I mean, that. there's no reason for him to drug her other than like we're gonna do this practical. Really dangerous stunt. Yes. We cannot afford to have two people in this The car. insurance for two people in the car is too high. So we're going to put a dummy and we're going to write around it. He's going to make her fall asleep for no reason. The worst fake drinking in the history of the world by David Carradine. And that, that because really when you watch it, I watched it again. I'm like this, there's no reason for her to be yeah. sick. Now they write it around. They think she's dead, but yeah. she wakes up. He's like, perfect timing. A half an hour later, now that we're back in the regular shot and the stunt people aren't in the car anymore, you can wake up. Yeah, it was clearly like on set. I'm not, it wouldn't surprise me if that was done on set where they were just like, how do we get around this? Well, yeah. we'll, do, well how about this? Ah, that's a good idea. Um, but what happens is she gets confronted, like, you know, she's about to be basically punched out by the president. Um, and uh, Frankenstein is naked and he drives his car into the, this presidential sort of uh, stage and it all falls down and it kills everyone. Um and he saves Annie, and he steps out the car naked, and everyone cheers him. And then it turns to sometime later, and he has become President Frankenstein. Marries Annie. Yeah, he's now marrying marrying Annie, and the, the head of the anti-race league is becoming his secretary of defense, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and the Walter Cronkite character is his, um, is his press, press secretary. secretary. I love that as well. He was like that. I'll leave that to my press secretary, and he steps in, and he just sort of says, you know, basically back off. Um, and then they Junior kill Bruce. Yeah, they well, kill Junior, Junior Bruce. Bruce. This is where Junior because he says, "Well, what happens to the race?" Is well, then there is no race. We are, you know, abolishing the race. And Junior Bruce is like the character's like, but it's about the race, man. It's about the race, and, and then, the violence. And this is America. And he yeah. shouts it, and he is losing his mind. And the real Don Steele, motherfucker, he gave it as all. He was like, I'm going to win an Oscar for this final performance. Yeah. Well, it's, a great little, it's a great little It's dialogue. amazing. Yeah. yeah. Um, this little monologue <laughs> he gives. And then basically President Frankenstein and Annie decide there's only one way to deal with this. We shall run him over in their car. 
and they do. And then they drive off into the sunset and that's the end. Yeah. And then the, and how, you know, because again, we can't afford another dummy. You just see his ascot. Well, I like the fact that the way it's happened, yeah, it comes of it, and um, the Walter Cronkite character, this yeah, practice, picks it up and almost sort of like mourns him. He's just he like, does. Oh. It's such a weird thing. Oh, if couldn't you just shut your mouth, Junior? Because yeah. they were friends, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh my so, God, it's so good. This is what so I'm saying. They for... didn't have the courage that Ib had, though, because yeah. you said like you're reading the book because, of course, we both had seen the movie well before we'd ever knew this mm. was a story. So you're you're conditioned to in storytelling to have this redemption arc, which is what you say. And they, the movie sets us up for Frankenstein to have the redemption arc. He set it up. He set it up. He set it up. And then they give it to us in the film. And in the book, they're like, no, fuck you. You're well, they broken. sort of do. Yeah, but this, this, yeah they, they sort of do. What, what the two things I want to say about the difference is they sort of give you the redemption, redemption arc, but they slightly pull the rug a little because he's still like, well, I'm still going to kill someone with my car because I'm yeah, going to run over Junior Bruce. No, that's true. Yeah. That's a good point. The death um, race is canceled, but I'm going to run over. Yeah, you. but the other thing I think that's interesting is, um, as I was reading the story, I'm thinking because I read the story after I watched the film, so I was like, right, I'm going to yeah. watch them and then I'm going to to do that. I was thinking, well, what's interesting is the the racer is about a race. Right. right? It's about a race in this history. Like there, there was races before, there'll be races after. It's a yeah, race. Yeah, the race, de- yeah, the death race isn't over. No. Yeah. Death Race 2000 is about the race. Right. The idea of the death race. Yeah, it's about the yeah. race. And so it goes bigger and it becomes the last race. That's this idea. Like you're telling, they always say, don't you, if you're going to make a film, you make it about the most important story. This is about the race. And that's what it's Yeah. About. I, you know, when you said about you adapt it, that's exactly what you do. You know, that's the, you extend it to cover the concept of the race. So I completely ex- agree with the decision that was made. Mm. Um, well, of course, you got to add things. Obviously, the Frankenstein character is interesting, obviously, as opposed to the Willie character. Um, keeping the bulls, knowing what to keep, keeping the anti-racing league. Yeah. You know, having this commentary on whatever it is. Like, yeah, all of that. Yeah, it was definitely, and again, Corman backs into things. He's like, I can make money on this. He doesn't have, he happens to just hire directors and writers who want to tell a story. Yeah. And then yeah. he's like, can I make money off of it? And sometimes they tell him no. Mm. Some mostly they don't tell him no, but like it depends on where they are in his their career if they're willing to say no to him or not. If they're willing to be like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to do that thing. But like Paul Bartel, clearly he's actually in um, Rock and Roll High School. He's the mm. teacher um, in there, and so like clearly he's part of the the family. You know the the, the new family Coleman. Yeah, yeah, the family Corman. But he still was like, I'm going to do this. Like, he still had a th- story to tell, and he told it. And because, you know, as long as you can g- give me cars and boobs, you can do whatever you want. Yeah. And that's where he it gets in its own way. Corman gets Corman films get in their own way sometimes, right? Whereas, like, we're getting Bearhoven, as you say. He's like, of course there's going to be cars and boobs, but that's the commentary. Like, the shower scenes in, in, uh, in Starship Troopers, mm. that's the joke. That's yes. the commentary. Like, this nudity is intentional. Yes, it's and not. We know it's not, it. Yeah, it's not supposed to be gratuitous. It's here for a reason. I'll right. do that. Leave that. Leave, wait a second. I'll do that in Basic Instinct. But like, I'll you know. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. I feel like I say there's certain scenes that like 
unintentionally funny as well. Ah. It was a, like when um, Stallone, uh, Machine Gun Joe gets you know misdirected and he takes on that path and he finds the fisherman who's just like, oh, I know who you are. You're Frankenstein. He gets really angry. He gets so bad. Yeah, and then basically chases after him down the river, <laughs> which is amazing. Which that car, and they did that. And again, the practical effects, like mm. they had to do that to that car. Like, I don't even understand. And I know just cars are built differently. This is the 70s. Cars are made of steel. So you could do that. But these cars still look like they were made of plastic. His rubber dildozer front yeah, thing, big you know, is and... brilliant. I love it. He, he too, was like you said, he was definitely on 11 the whole time. And they're just like. Some of those scenes too, it's probably like, well, Roger, um, I know you want us, you know, we're only at 62 minutes. Well, there's this shot over here. We don't need a permit to shoot by this river. Again, go get your dad. We'll put him in this fishing gear. We're not going to kill him because we don't want to see that. We don't have the money for that, but we'll just do this. It'll be funny. Go. Yeah. That's how I feel it was. It was all very. Oh, there's lots of little scenes of that. I mean, but then like you say, there are scenes as well that feel intentional. Like I said, there's the joke, they get to the hospital and there's the, it's a euthanasia day and there's a bunch of old people stood in the road ready to be run over um and there's bits like that which i find are like brilliant they're just brilliant. brilliant i love it and again it is all about this idea of what is happening why why are the people worth points there's clearly something there there's something like when you think about who's worth more the old people are worth the most points mm. and and the reason the old people are worth the most points is because again the commentary is, and this is true in America still to this day, we don't want to take care of people. We just no. want to use you up until you die. That's our thing. So if you are no good to us, if you're not producing and you're just like, you know, sucking that teat of America, we're just going to euthanize you because you are no good to us anymore. And that is how we still treat old people yeah, yeah. in this country. And it's interesting that he's in the president's in Shanghai, which is the opposite. But yeah. it's not how it's done in China or Japan or Korea. That is not okay. Your mm -mm. grandparents come back to you. Like you, like there's mo always multi-generation. Like one of my friends from college was born in Seoul and then they moved to America when he was five. But like he still had, you know, cousins who still just lived with grand. Like they never, like mm. when he'd go visit his Ahmad, they were all living in the same house. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they don't. There's no old folk homes in Korea, no. in South Korea. That's not a thing. No, we don't do that. Now, if you are rich and you choose to maybe go into assisted living because that's a choice you have, that's going to be a big deal. There's going to be a stink. The family's not going to like it. But it's that, an embarrassment. Yeah, yeah, right. Because it's an embarrassment to them. But here in America, we're like, eh. Yeah, you're ugly and old. We wanted. We you want smell you funny. You smell funny. Right. Get out. <laughs> right. Um. So that yeah. is brilliant. It's a brilliant accident. It's it's not the the filmmakers. The directors and writers put that in and Corbin yeah, just yeah. let it go because he's yeah. like, can these two have a naked slap fight for no reason? They're like, yep. He's like, okay, cool. Cool. Whatever commentary. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. no, I'll leave that in. Um, the final thing just to mention, obviously, is yeah. the fact that this is the president, but it's not the United States of America. It's the United Provinces yeah, yeah. of America. Because I'm sure we've taken over Canada and Mexico, I'm yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. And um, it's a big fist with a power symbol on. So there's clearly like the fascist... Uh, oh symbols and stuff in there as well, and so. they even wear the little fist pins, yes, yeah. So, I thought again, like little things that, like, you know, they're just little details. Like, it does, it's not a big deal that they make, there's no big thing of the flag, there's no big thing, it's just there. And uh, offhanded comments when they refer to it as the United Provinces of America, so yeah, those are the things that I think that's what I'm saying. So, I feel like 
and we'll and as we move to the W.S. Yeah, Anderson yeah. movie, which he misses some of the point too. But again, you bring up Verhoeven, which I think is good. Um, because like I think when you think of other writers of the time, we talked about Rod Serling earlier, and you know, like being a great American science fiction writer. Well, one of the other mm. great American science fiction minds was was Roddenberry. Mm. And Roddenberry and Co- Roddenberry had the Corman sensibility where he's like, you know, like the reason there's a lot of the Star Trek, they're like why are they in an old West town? Because they were shooting at Desi Lu studios. And yeah. Lucy was like, we've got this scene. They're like, yeah, yeah. And you know, and Roddenberry was cheap. He's like, we'll write it. We'll write an episode. We'll get it. We'll figure it out. They'll go to the old West town country world, whatever. And so he was, he totally had that sensibility of use mm. the same uniforms over and over. That's cheaper. Every, like he was a cheap bastard, but he had something to say. It was intentional. Whereas yes. he's like, I'm going to save money so I can tell this story where Corman's like, as long as I make money, I don't care what you do. And so it's this interesting, mm. um, like this Corman inspired so many people to be like, oh, I can do a thing. I can follow his his way of thinking. I can do it the Corman way, but I can still have a story to tell. I can make a point, you know, because like Corman was making movies way before Roddenberry. Like, this, oh, yeah, is, yeah. Just like yeah. this is like peak Corman in the 70s. But like he'd been doing it since the 40s and 50s. And it was these people learn from him and they're like, Oh, I can do this. Cause he, cause death race accidentally says something. Yeah. But so I could do it intentionally and make money, you know? So it's like, there's, there's that. And I think it's okay. So, yeah. So anyway, so I just think it's really an interesting thing. I just love what Corman does. And I do think that sometimes then, and as we move to the W.S. Anderson movie, like you missed the point a little like W.S. Anderson He's definitely a pretty, he knows how to make it like all those Resident Evil movies. The reason they kept letting him make them is because he made them cheap. Yeah. Well, he is, he is, W.S. Anderson is one of those interesting creators because he is like the, the new Roger Corman, isn't he? Like he makes quite, slightly shonky B movie kind of movie films on the cheap. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, he's got hold of franchises as like AVP, Alien versus Predator. Oh, couldn't Unf- see a goddamn thing. Unfortunately. Um, but you know, I, I'm not a fan of Event Horizon as much. I think it's okay, but but he has. Like I say I think the Resident Evil for Resident Evil films work. But this one, it's one where I'm like, I watched it and I was like, this misses the commentary completely. Like, there is no commentary here. There's no social commentary. But you go back to that practical stunts kind of thing you were saying. Oh, so beautiful. This film is it actually? I was really impressed. Where I was like. I'd forgotten how like crunchy this film was. Like some of the special effects and the practical effects are brilliant. Like they, they, oh yeah, you know, it's um, gorgeous. It yeah. is. It's beautiful. I mean, there is a bit of social commentary. Obviously, it's about like the prison reality system, TV, and and the private prison system. It's about both things. Yes, because in America we do have a private prison system. That is a real thing. That really happens here. Without a doubt, but yeah, you're you're 100 correct. It's um it's missing some of the other social commentary because this this thing why. of like you say about reality TV. One of the things so this is the, the story is Jason uh, Jason Ames not Jason Ames what's his name uh, Jensen uh, Jensen Ames Jensen Jason Ames. Statham is Jason playing Statham, Statham. The, yeah <laughs> Jason Statham is playing Jason Statham um, yeah which Jensen does, Ames is Jensen his name. Ames yeah. he is a former racer that lost um you know, lost his racing career, became a welder or whatever, and the economy in the country is gone to shit. And he is framed for the murder of his wife um, and his daughter is taken off him. And he is put into this one prison run by Joan Allen, who 
It's Brilliant. magnificent. Yeah, she's great oh in this. She's great at being evil. Uh, love her. Um, I do too. And he is then introduced as, told he has to race as Frankenstein. And there has been exactly like in the past film, there has been past Frankenstein that have been that have died, and he is there to be the new one. And the idea is if you win five races in a row, you get your freedom. And so the carrot is dangled in front of these people. And they get to race around this prison island that exists uh, off the coast of, doesn't quite say. America. America, <laughs> yeah. Um, and the races are in three stages and they are broadcast live on the internet. Um, and, you know, people pay, it's pay-per-view and that sort of thing. This was in an era when I think everyone thought that was the thing. Like, not streaming yet, but it was going to be pay-per-view was everything. There was other films that did this. I think of like Stone Cold Steve Austin in The Condemned, which was 2005, did a very similar thing about, basically it was The Hunger Games, but with Vinnie Jones and um, Steve Austin. Well, I've not seen that, but obviously I need to. Oh, you do. It's amazing. It's so it's so ridiculous. Um, I love me some Vinnie Jones. Yeah, he's great in it. Like Yeah. 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 Um, but this film, sort of like you say, it's got the cast in this is sort of surprisingly good as well. Like Ian McShane, <laughs> Ian McShane, Joan Allen, um, oh, see the guy who plays the head guard, um, Jason Clark. Jason Clark, thank you. I like Jason Clark. I've seen him in plenty of things. So like, yeah, I'm watching it. Tyrese Gibson's in it. Um, so yeah, I'm watching this and being like, they've got quite a few good people here. Like they thought they were making something B movie kind of higher end of B movie. Um, and I'm not going to say there's the commentary about private, you know, private prison system. It's 100%. There. Yeah, it's there, but it's not what's at forefront at any point. Like they are constantly no, like, no, it's there though, and I love it still to this day. Yeah. Like when Jack and I talked about it, the three movies that came out in 2008 for the state were The Bank Job, which is the best of the three films. Yes, good, Death, good film. Death Race, and then Transporter Three. But if I could only watch mm. one over and over, it's Death. Yeah, the bank job is a better film, but Death Race is still ridiculous fun. Oh yeah, it's so good. There's like it's it's, it's sort of like it's um, I saw a trailer for it that was basically sort of like if uh, if you get if you were basically angry at Mar- at Mario Kart, this is the film to watch. <laughs> like that was like yeah, perfect, exactly what it is. Um, I love it's so computer gamey. Like they've got these things in the road that like it can be a shield or a sword. Yeah. Is, oh yeah, you drive over fence. stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All that. I was like, you know, and it, it triggers your guns, either your rear guns or your front guns, and oh, it's amazing. Like there's so much co- like good ideas in this. Yeah. And and not all of it goes ev- goes anywhere. Um, Most of it doesn't. No. Um, but the yeah, truck in the middle. The the truck in the middle. <laughs> And so Jack and I talked about the truck in the middle. Like, what, the truck is amazing, and that was practical that they did all mm, that. But, yeah, yeah. Okay, her whole thing is I need Machine Gun Joe and Frankenstein to be to race it out to the end of the third stage. So why would you try to kill them? Like, she's in charge of the big truck. They needed to save that for Act 3, so, like, pace-wise. And Jack was like, right, but then Act 3 doesn't work the way that it does. I'm like, okay, fine. But then it could almost be, like, use the cool truck and they use the truck and now our plan is spoiled but we can use this truck to get out or something there's like a way around like the truck is so no, it, cool it's like 100 the, they... the, the way the truck yeah. is set up so they have basically one of the they they have like in this prison it's such a grimy film 
but oh, within the sort of the mechanic yeah. shop, there's this huge curtain up, and there's like this. It keeps sort of teasing that there's like Godzilla, this big fucking like Mechazillas behind this kind of thing. And then, like you say, it's for this. They they introduce the truck for the second race. Now they need it for two reasons, as you say. It sort of it ups the ante enough from the first race, so you're not just watching the same race you've had before. But it also gives Machine Gun Joe, played by Doris Gibson. And Frankenstein, or Jensen Ames, uh, Jason Nathan, to trust each other. Right. That's the point of it. To work together to drive over that shield together. Yeah. There's a thing, if you drive over it, the death stop comes up, boom, up from the ground, and it destroys whatever's behind it, which is a cool thing. It's and cool. Yeah. Oh, it looks awesome. It looks but, as, but as you say, like it could have been done differently. What I feel that should have been, that truck crashing should have been the thing that plows through the wall that allows them to escape right. at the end. 100%. Yeah. And Ian McShane was like chewing up. Screen. Oh, he's, he's, he's eating it. He's having it, so much fun. Ian McShane. I want to talk about Ian McShane just very briefly as a sort of a side point. So Ian McShane um, is one of these is an actor to me that I've known from when he was he played a character when I was a kid called Lovejoy, which was basically yet yeah, Deadwood, as you just sort of showed me there. But from when I was a kid, he was in a, film, a series called Lovejoy, where he was basically an antiques dealer con man kind of deal. I love that. Yeah. Um, okay. But he, he's one of these actors that sort of, he reached an age where they were just like, oh, you've got this really sort of like like gravelly yet sort of silky voice and you've got some gravitas. So you now get to play these sort of like weird, slightly sinister mentor roles. And that's all you're going to do now for the rest of your life. Yeah, I have, he plays Wednesday in um, uh, the- American Gods. The American Gods, which I haven't, which I haven't seen the series, but I've seen I've seen the trailers because it's like on Stars over here, mm-hmm. and I don't have that. It's one of those things. It's like I will one day just get all the DVDs from the library and watch it. But when I was like, oh, he's playing Wednesday. That's awesome. That's yeah. a good cast. That's good oh, casting. he's yeah. He's one of these. He sort of hit. He hit his high mark later in life. You know, he's obviously got the John Wick films, a bunch of other stuff. Um, but in this, the dialogue's not great. You know, like at one point, there's this like it's they they have the final race, and his big line is, "This gentleman, this is going to be interesting," and you're like, "Well, yeah, we got that because it's the third end of a race, and we know what's coming." So everyone around him should be like, "Going, yeah, no, Doc, Coach, we we get that. You haven't got to say coach, it so ominously." Called, called Coach, yeah. yeah, and then and then, but at the end, he says, "I love this game." To the through to the camera to the camera. Ah. Oh. <laughs> Yeah. It's spectacular. So again, it does, it's not saying anything. Again, it's there. The commentary about private prisons is clearly there. And the commentary about the real like reality TV and all this other stuff and like the this exploitation and we're paying for violence. All of that is there. Like mm-hmm. it's true. 100 percent is there. But it misses the point with the lingering male gaze ass shot of the uh, when all of the <laughs> what did Jack say? He's like, oh, it's like a Beyonce video. They might as well just played all the single ladies when they came yeah. off the bus. Like that is totally true, but the one thing that he does in this film that WS does, which again he's not against nudity, he shows his wife's boobs in all of the movies that she's in that he directs. Yeah, he's not against that, but they kept their clothes on in this movie. I find that I mean the only nudity is state, which I found well, really interesting. That he it was like the it was like almost the commentary on Corman. It's like we're gonna actually we're still gonna give you the sexy lady navigators, but they're gonna keep their clothes on. Yeah. Well, I honestly think there might have been a moment where they were looking at the women and they looked at Statham and they were like, who's actually got the better body? 
Jason, get your top off. With uh, we, we do some pull ups. Start doing some pull ups. We'll tell you when to stop. <laughs> and that's exactly what it does. But there's the scenes too. Then Jason Clark plays it that way too. Yeah. Jason Clark clearly his character is in love with Jensen Ames. One hundred percent. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's, there's or at a least certain, in lust with him. Yeah. Yeah. There's a there's a sort of definitely a um, well there's that, there's always that thing of like the head guard. You you think of like. Um, Shawshank Redemption or Sleepers or... Right, right. Yeah, you're right. You know, that, that thing of like the sadistic... Um... Wow, so you just you just said Jason Clark is as good as Clancy Brown oh, and Kevin well. Bacon. Yeah. That's what just happened. Wow. <laughs> I was saying the character, but, oh, you know, okay. but like... <laughs> I, I'll tell you what, really. I've seen yeah. Jason Clark do good stuff, but I don't know if I go that I far. have too. Yeah, but, yeah. Um... Clancy Brown, come on. Yeah. Um... Who shows up Look at that at all. It's the Clancy Brown cast. He's in the last John Wick. Yes. What goes around comes around. It's all connected. That's right. It's all connected. Um, but you know, I just think there's there's just an there's just a, this is one of those sort of like it's a it's a late noughts um awesome film. This is there was an era when sort of like um in the in the sort of between you know just to give you a con so basically for me post 9-11 there's a period where the cinema went a very cautious with their action films you know you had like the born mm. films and a couple of others but they were like we can't do big action anymore it's off the table we're not so comfortable with it and then by about 2005 they were a bit like uh, we've got a bit of distance let's try our best and then people started watching it again and from 2005 to 2010 like you just have this glut of yeah increasingly trashy action super action movies where they were like oh we can go back to this brilliant and then and then obviously get like the expendables and everything else and it's because none of those because the because part of it is too and they know you're going to write i hear you have a whole essay collection coming Mm. about all of this but i do think too is like part of it is also that it has to get dumber yes be about anything if it's not about something like i mean this is about something but it's not really like it no. can't be. You can't make a like a true anti-war movie. You can't make a commentary on the Vietnam, the you know Vietnam War, like they did with the first Death Race. Here, you can't make that commentary on, you know, the way that like war war porn, which yeah. is a thing that still have like it, you can't. It is, but it isn't. So as long as you're not doing that, as long as you're not making us think too much about our own lives. We're okay with that. Then that's, ha- that's happening elsewhere. The- that's happening elsewhere. This was a period post nine eleven. Is two is a period of adoration for for those things. We were heroes, yeah. and you know those kinds of films. That you know we were soldiers. Sorry, the Mel Gibson. We were film. soldiers. Yeah, yeah. Those kinds of films. Um, yeah, this is not the time for that. These the, are the dumb action films that accidentally say things. Um, that's it exactly. Like everything Paul Wes Anderson does. Yes. Well, yeah, yeah. Not all of them say something. Not Paul Wes Anderson. Sorry, Paul W. <laughs> Sorry. Two, yeah, there's Paul Anderson. Can you imagine a Paul Wes Anderson film? Like Paul W. S. Anderson and Wes Anderson make a movie. What would happen is Wes Anderson. P.T. Anderson as well. Beautiful. Yeah, and we'll have like we'll make these beautiful <laughs> models, yeah. and then we'll get Daniel Day Lewis in it, and then Mila Jovovich will come in and blow everything up. Yeah, yeah. there's your movie. <laughs> the cast is the cast is uh, Bill Murray. <laughs> Daniel Day Lewis and Mia Djokovic. Mila, <laughs> I, I would watch that. I'm that sounds here. amazing. That's how yeah. we get. That's how we get Daniel Day Lewis out of retirement. Yeah, Anderson and Anderson and Anderson. That's what it's called. I'm here for that. <laughs> mm. um, anyway, anyway. So let's get to this. So really, yeah. So I yeah. think this film. Let's circle this back round to the story. And I think yeah. this is the thing. Is, 
we wanted to sort of go back because I think this we said the story has is, is brave and I think is is quite cutting and it has quite an impact. You can feel that as we go from di- through the distance, um, the punch is less from a political and a sort of like a story standpoint, but the action increases. That sort of as a thing that you know what we're seeing. Do you think though that you could revisit? death race or the race not so much the racer because i don't think you could do the racer in any sort of real way you could in a certain way but do you then think you could do something with the racer or death race today yeah i do i think it would have to be uh i'm trying to think of like who's a good enough direct like who would who could get away with it but yeah i do think like if you were willing to do it for you know five million dollars or less which I know is a lot, is $5 million. But like in movies, if you're making less than $5 million, people leave you Mm -hmm. alone. They let you get away with whatever you want. So like, I just read this whole article by Jake Johnson. His new movie is like, he's like 5 million is his number. Like he's going to direct his own movie. He's like, I can keep it under 5 million. I can do whatever I want. As soon as I start to go above that number, then people expect things from me. He's like, is that 5 million? I could pay everybody. We have a good time and we all make our money back. He's like, but once you get to like 5.2, they're like, oh, you got to do this. It's got to be in a theater. It's got to be this. So it's got to be that. You'd have to do it like the way Dak Shepard did it with Hit and Run. I don't know if you ever saw that. It was really bad, but it's him mm-hmm. and his wife. And did you see it? And Tom Arnold and, and uh, Bradley Absolutely, Cooper. Yeah, yeah. It's really bad. But those are all his own cars. He does his own stunts. They did it for a million dollars, right? And that was, you know, he wanted to prove that he could direct the film. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, it was. fair shake. Yeah. So if you do it that way, and I do think you could go back to the original racer and have it end that way without the redemption arc. Then I think people would, would let it happen. If yeah. you're going to do the whole thing where at the end of both of these films, the serial killers get away. Well, I'll tell you what, I think, the, yeah, to me, right. Cause I was thinking, I have thought about this. I, c- I couldn't think of a director, but I was like, well, what studio would do this? And I was like, I'm torn between Blumhouse an A24. I was going to say A24 because, but Blum, he could, I, I mean, he made Get Out. He gave him money. Oh, and he, said, would, he would do it. Like, do that. Yeah, yeah he, he would. Yeah, and Get Out, I mean, 10 years before Get Out can't, can't happen, nobody would have thought you'd be able to make that movie. But yeah, I Blum's think, I like. Think Jason Blum's got the, he's got the courage to do this kind of things. So if you think this is like, he's a, he's a slightly, he's a less corrupt, maybe money grabbing version of Corman. Like he'll do it cheap. But he'll, he'll bank on like creatives to do, you know, go, yeah, this sounds good. Go do. Like, you know, I think he'll give. Right. Them. He'll give you the five million dollars. I mean, it's like and, you know, and say what you want about Shyamalan. He allowed Shyamalan to make the visit, which brought his career back. Yeah. Shyamalan had to finance that half of like he had to sell his house to do. It. Yeah. And Blum, Blum was like, I'll give you half. You do. the, And he's like, I believe in it enough to give you half the money as long as you show me you believe in it enough. And it changed everything. And, you know. And again, say what you want or whatever. I like the visit. I like the old, you know, I'm I, I'm a Shyamalan apologist. I mean, I don't love them. They're not perfect. No, but you know? they're, they're good for the most part. And they, uh, and they do. Yeah, so I agree. And because Blum can get away with stuff like that. Like yeah. even just like bringing Shyamalan back and, you know, letting them make split. You know, that's a good, that's a good, I think, you know, and I, at first I thought A24 because fucking they made Swiss Army Man. Yes, of course they did. So, yeah. to me, if you're going to make Swiss Army Man, which everybody, the Daniel's first film, is exceptional. It is ridiculous, and the fact that it exists, Paul Dano, and he, they got Harry Potter to just play a farting corpse for two hours. Yeah. It's <laughs> unbelievable. And um, so I think, 
maybe you know i think you're right my first thought was a24 but then we said jason blum i'm like ooh, because of the graphic nature of it yeah that's what i was thinking they, yeah. they you know a24 is willing to do scary creepy shit but i definitely think blumhouse would be like ah, eh, i got you i can make the blood not look like whatever that orange jello was on like they for the fight scene between stallone and carradine like they like took powdered jello yeah and and put it on stallone's face and then just got it wet this this is yeah I I, I gotta say like that uh, two thousand death of two thousand does not benefit from being watched in HD I gotta say well but what I did say when Jack and I talked is it looks gorgeous because it's on film oh it does it, it looks beautiful. great yeah but it, it looks great you can but... see every flaw yeah. yeah yeah he was not expecting you when he made it on film and it's yeah. beautiful he wasn't expecting you to ever see the flaw no you weren't supposed to see the rubber knife that yeah. is clearly wobbles. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Oh god, I love yeah. it so much. Anyway, anyway so yeah, well, that, I yeah. think I think we could get the right. There's got to be somebody out there. I'm just trying to think like who's a who's a director, and and you know it might even be that there's somebody out there who's um you know somebody unknown. That's how you save even money too. Somebody who's done mm. like some you know like some of those short... yeah, somebody yeah, who's yeah. done like a couple of shorts. Um, you know who I want to be Frankenstein? I'm going to put it out there, and I think he would do it because he's just crazy enough. Oscar Isaac. Oh, he would know exactly the right tone to set as Frankenstein. That's who I would pick because he would be like, "Oh, I get this." He loves to have fun. And Nicholas Cage, and Nicholas Cage as Machine Gun Joe. Machine Gun Joe. <laughs> there you go. Right I've sold myself on this film. Yeah, it's happening coming, now. Coming yeah. in 2025. I'm making it happen right now. I'm, I'm right. Ma- we are manifesting this film. Putting it out in the universe. I mean, <laughs> the unbearable weight of massive talent happened. That's, so... what, that's exactly what put me onto it. I was like, yeah, they're amazing together. I want more of that. God, I love that movie. Anyway, yeah. yeah. Anyway, okay, so there we are. So anyway, ladies and gentlemen, that's it. So, you know, that's been great. So, Tony, we have done our yeah. first. This is the first stage of our seven sort of points. Yeah. Uh, this has been great fun. Um. We're going to carry on. We've got more to yeah. do. And the next one's a very different genre. We've tried to keep, you know, it's, it's a bit of a, a shake up as we go. The next one we're doing is possibly one of my favorite short stories of all time and one of my favorite horror stories of all, or horror films of all time. Uh, we are going to be talking about Clive Barker's The Forbidden, which was adapted into The Candyman. Oh. Um, and two. We're going to do the original. Tony Todd, Candyman. Tony Todd. A, yeah. Well, I am gonna. I do. There, there is something I want to say about the remake. We will okay, get. Which not, I'm not it's, not, it's, not, it's not the remake of it. It's, it's a legacy sequel. It's a continuation. Oh, is that what it is? Okay. So All right. please, the Jordan, get, the Jordan Peele one. The Jordan Peele. Yeah. Do if you get a chance to watch it, watch it. I, I but, will. Um, now I have I'll got have it. a reason to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we will. So we're going to be talking about uh, Clive Barker and yeah, I think I'm really looking forward to that. So. Anyway, for Tony, this is great. I'm enjoying this. We're back for 20th Century Geek. We're doing, I'm doing stuff. This is the ultimate geeky thing, too. This is the ultimate thing. Like, when you go back and listen to the earliest 20th Century Geeks and, like, what your mission is for 20th Century Geek, this is it. This is it. It's, like, yeah. all the things that you love. Like, because you started the story time, and then, mm-hmm. you, you know, you love to cover these kinds of movies, and, and you talk about, like, how they exist, where they exist, and who these legends are. Clive Barker's mm. a legend, right? Um and and obviously Tony Todd is a fucking 20th century legend. Dude, I mean, yeah. when he shows up in those Final Destination movies, I'm sure they were just like, "Listen, Tony, please be at our movie. We'll get it made if you show up for 30 seconds." And like, all right, 
Yeah. <laughs> and then he shows up and everybody else is so bad. You're almost like, oh, it? wish he was in it more. <laughs> but he's a fucking legend. And I think it'll be interesting because I have a lot to say about him as an actor. And if he were up and coming now, how oh. much more famous he would be. Like he's a legend to nerds like us. 20th yeah, 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 yeah. But like, he's so good and such a waste, I think. You know, he should have been of, bigger. He should have been bigger in the nineties. He should have absolutely been bigger in the nineties. Yeah, so we can, I can't wait to talk about that. I've yeah. I, I, I not actually read the story yet. I've, I've never read the story before, so oh, I'm excited. I've got the big Mondo book, so I'm ready yeah. for it. Yeah, this will be great. And so, and then we've got we're going to do the whole thing, and then we're going to well, end let's, with let's let's go through. I've got the yeah. so let's just quick. So we are doing yeah. the next one is uh, the Forbidden and Candyman. Then we've got an, one I've never read, but eight o'clock in the morning. Became, I love that story. Yeah, which becomes they live. So that's a you know bit of carpenter. Um, it had to be murder, which became Rear Window. So we've got some Hitchcock nice. going on, and I love Rear Window. Uh, we can remember it for you wholesale. Uh, becomes Total Recall. You mentioned so yes. We've got Verhoeven and Philip. Uh, Philip, Philip K. Dick. Dick. Mm-hmm. Um, who goes there? Which becomes the thing. Oh, um, more carpenter. Yeah, which and then we will mention the thing from outer space, but there's no need to sort of really yeah, yeah. get into it. Yeah, um, and if you want to talk about the Elizabeth Winstead movie, we can. We'll see. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> sort um, of a prequel, yeah. And we are going to end on the, with the film and the story of This Island Earth. I, and again, soft spot in my heart for that one for all lots of reasons, but then I, we will definitely need to discuss the Mystery Science Theater 3000 version of This Island Earth as yes. well. Yes, because that was their choice for their only big screen movie that they ever did. They picked that. It's, it's worth so, it. There's a lot to talk about on some of those. So I'm really excited. So I know that's story time, fun. ladies and gentlemen. Get sit back, relax, and we're going to be talking about some more stories. But for now, anyway, Tony, thank you so much for doing this. It's been great chatting. I've really enjoyed today. Yeah, yeah. Me um, too. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you do like what we're doing and we're back, leave a review. Let us know. Come find us on X. We are still there on as 20th Century Geek on X and all other sensible uh, social media platforms. Um, and we do have a... They're uh, not Patreon. shaped like giant penises. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. One's, you know, they're all run by insane billionaires, but, you know, right. varying degrees of insanity. Um, and also we have a Patreon, so go check that out because that obviously covers not just this, but the stories out of time and space. And we're doing uh, Twilight Zone. We've got additional material for all the things we've done over there. Um, one of my favourite ones, we talk about Hard to Be a God, which is becoming one of my favourite stories, um, science fiction stories. So go check those out. But anyway, Tony, thank you very much. Thank and, you. And ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much. And we'll see you on the next episode. Mm-hmm.